0: Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, give us your spirit now and grant that as you have promised, that your word that goes out from your mouth would not return to you empty, but would accomplish in us the purposes for which you give it. In your name we pray. Amen. Here's a story about a man who was walking along, not watching where he was going, and he fell off a cliff. And as he was falling, he caught on to a a branch, and he hung there thousands of feet above the earth. And he did what anybody would do, hanging there. He called out, help, help, is anybody up there? And he heard a voice, I'm here. Who are you? It's the Lord. Will you help me? Yes. Just let go. The man looked up to see if he could see the Lord, and then he, he looked down at that long drop below him, and he thought for a second, and he looked back up, and he said, Is anybody else up there? <laughs> Sometimes, That's how we respond to the idea of faith. But in truth, God invites us, calls us to trust him and let go. That's not always easy, is it? I thought about a time a number of years ago in our life. It was the first time we had to sell a house we were in Wisconsin and moving back to Texas and I got kind of nervous because the house wasn't selling and I was refusing to make plans because how can we move until the house sells? And the realtor says to me, Pastor Braun, you just need to make plans and move ahead. You'll be amazed at how this stuff all works out. Like a voice saying from above, let go. And then we got down to Texas and the house, we had an offer on it, but we, we found a house that we wanted in Flower Mound and, and uh, we made an offer, but it was an offer like a lot of people do, contingent on the sale of our house in Wisconsin. And the counteroffer came back and said, yeah, we'll accept your offer except for one thing, you've got to drop the contingency. What if, what if the house doesn't sell? I can't afford two mortgages. One of my good friends took me aside and said, PB, God has be- been behind this call all the way. I think you need to give up that contingency and trust him. A voice from above, saying it again, let go. That's not, not an easy thing to do. I remember one man who felt that maybe God was calling him to a second career to be a pastor, to go to the seminary, but he refused to go because he had a really good job. And he had financial security, and before he would let go and go, he wanted God to lay out for him how it would all work out. I want to know where I'm going to land and how before I let go. It's not always easy to let go. A lot of times we'd we'd rather take matters into our own hands, wouldn't we? I mean, I think that's kind of a little of what you find with Abraham, not just in this story, but a couple times in, in the, the story as he waits to, for this child that God has promised. He is, looks at himself. He looks at Sarah. He says, this is ridiculous. We're too old. And so he comes up with an idea for who his heir should be, and we, we see that in the text, right? He says, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. So rather than simply going on trusting in God, he decides, okay, I'll name somebody. I, you know, it's kind of the arrogance of sin. I, okay, i got to help God out a little bit. i got to figure out how to do this because God obviously isn't figuring it out. That arrogance that says, you know, I, I know better than he does, that arrogance that says that, that maybe the things that make sense to me, my own common sense, what I see with my eyes, is more trustworthy than what God's word has promised, and so we take matters into our own hands. You know what God's answer to that was? No. He makes it very simple. The Lord said to him, this man shall not be your heir. Quit holding on to that branch. See, God knows something about those branches, about us. We're not strong enough to hold on to it forever. And sooner or later, it's not going to be strong enough to hold us. So God offers us something better. God offers us his promises. It's right here in the text. He, he, says, he says to us, he says, let go. I'll catch you. He says, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Trust my promise, Abram. God has given us a lot of promises, hasn't he? He has promised to forgive. Our sins, no matter what they may be. He has promised to adopt you and me as his own sons and daughters. He has promised that he went to prepare a place for us in his father's house. He has promised not only to hear, but to answer our prayers. He has promised to be with us. I could go on for a long time listing the promises God has made his call is to let go of our branches and trust his promises. That's the faith that saves. That's the faith that saved Abram. I don't know if you realize it's right here in Verse 6 is one of the most important passages in all of Scripture. Gets quoted in the New Testament all the time by Paul. Tells us exactly how a person has been saved. Old Testament, New Testament. says, Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Faith. Safe. Now, how do we know that we can trust those promises? Now, before you feel too bad about, about asking that question, I want you to recognize that, that Abram asks in the text. He says, guy comes to me, he says, I am the Lord God who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess but he said, "This is Abram speaking. O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it?" We you know God's answer. God gives Abram an iron-clad guarantee. God binds Himself to His promises. He cuts covenant with Abraham. Binds himself contractually. It's what happens next in our text. God says to him, okay, bring me a heifer, three years old. A female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in half, and he laid them each half against the other. So there's this this trough in the middle, but he didn't cut the birds in half. And he makes it so that the, the blood from the animals will drain into the path, into that little trough in the middle. And now you probably read this and you think, what in the world is this? Well, it's, you've got to remember that Abram's a Bedouin. And this is a Bedouin covenant ceremony. Let's say two fathers are making an agreement for their children to marry each other. And they would meet at this, at this blood path. And first the father, the groom, would step into the path and stomp around in the blood and say, you may do so to me should my son fail to fulfill his marriage vows. And then after that, the father of the bride would step into the path and stomp around. You may do so to me should my daughter fail to fulfill her marriage vows. That's what's happening between God and Abram. They're making a covenant. God's making a covenant with Abram. And you know, in the text it says he falls into a, a deep sleep. On to the next verse there, it says, When the sun had gone down, it was dark, and behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. So this, this, flame, this, this smoking firepot passes into the blood path. God saying to Abraham, If I should ever fail to keep my promises, you may do this to me. But then the strange thing is that Abraham never enters in for his part. No, a flaming torch passes through. God saying to Abraham, not if, but when, and because you will fail to keep your promises, you may do this to me. God making a promise to Abraham and to his descendants, and to you and me, that when you fail, I, the Lord God, will pay the price for your failure myself. God in the Old Testament set a reminder for the people of Israel of this promise. Daily reminder. The temple worship Every day, 9 a.m., a trumpet would sound from the pinnacle of the temple and at that moment, the priest would offer the morning sacrifice for sin. And every afternoon at 3 p.m., On that same day, the trumpet would sound again and the priest would offer the the evening sacrifice for sin, a daily reminder from God that one day he would pay the price. And it continued for years and decades and centuries until one Friday, 9 a.m., the trumpet sounded as it had every other day The priest in the temple offered the morning sacrifice. And we're told that on that Friday at 9 a.m. in the morning, an innocent man was nailed to a cross outside Jerusalem. And then at 3 p.m., six hours later, the trumpet sounded again. And the priests offered the sacrifice in the temple. And at that moment, that innocent man, God's own son, breathed his last and gave up his spirit. God had kept his promise. He paid the price for Abram's failures, for yours and for mine see God bound himself to all his promises to us as well for Abram he walked the blood path for the people of the Old Testament he gave the constant reminder of the morning and the evening sacrifices and for you and me he has given us this Meal, this sacrament where he gives and offers to us the fulfillment of his promise. Take, eat, he says, this is my body. Drink, ye all of it, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. In bread and wine, in with and under bread and wine, he gives us the body and blood of Jesus to eat and drink so that you and I can live daily in the confidence that knows that if God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Let go of your branch, whatever it is. I'll catch you, he says. You have my promise. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.